Coming up on Verse Course Verse, David finally checks out this Billy Eilish everyone's talking about. I really hope he has some good stuff. Duh. That's next. <laughs> Episode 34, Verse Chorus Verse. I am DL. With me is Sven, the bad guy Knutson. Sven, how are you tonight? G-R-E-A-T. I'm <laughs> great. We just pulled from each other's albums. Oh. I like that. Sven and I, together again, it feels good that we get to do this. It makes it a little more special now every time that we Aww. get to do it. Aw, I feel like I just got a verbal hug. Right? We are doing an original episode here. I gave Sven an album that I have been in love with for a while. He gave me an album that he really enjoys, and we're checking it out. One of the albums we did get permission to play, so the music that you're going to hear throughout this episode, including when we talk about it, is by the band. And idols might be my favorite punk band currently like bad religion is still a band but come on they're you know maybe weighing down just a little bit now that they're 78 or whatever they are but <laughs> they're like in their 50s right no they can't be something yeah. like that yeah <laughs> that makes me feel old now because i mean i know they're older than us but i like... know right shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i love the fact that you just called idols a punk band because i want to talk about that later i think they're very brit punk but yeah we will we'll talk about that the main point of it is is thank you to the band I, we got permission from the band and the label partisan thank you so much for letting us play the music it really means a lot you can kind of tell when you see interviews from these guys and they did a We'll talk about how it's not surprising they let us play their music, but this really is one of my favorite albums of probably the last decade, so it means a lot you're letting us talk about it. Old school album for album episode, and yeah. I'm kind of excited. You and I haven't done this in, seems like forever. It's been weeks, man. Like a I can't, I can't remember the last one we did, right? So that is what we're doing tonight. For now, let's get into the most important part of the night. What are we drinking uh, Sven, I'm going to start with you. You have the house all to yourself tonight. I do. I can tell because you're in the living room right now. So I have two <laughs> questions for you. A, what are you drinking? And B, did you completely rock out to the album that I gave you tonight since you didn't have to wear headphones? It was pretty loud. It was pretty loud. I'm proud of you. It was nice. And I am drinking. I don't know if it's just the beer is classic and they want you to know that it's classic. Everything else is like in broken English or Chinese, Chinese? characters. It's from Taiwan. Oh. It's this Taiwan beer. I um, am not sure I've ever had a Taiwanese beer. I haven't either. It's brewed by the Taiwan Tobacco Corporation. I'm legit excited to see what that tastes like. For well, real. Let's see. Here. We're cracking I want to hear your... We're cracking yeah. it. I'm going to assume this is a lager because it said it's got little... Now we're going to do reviews hey. of beer. Sven, let us know how the Taiwanese classic beer is. It reminds me of every Asian beer I've had, like right. Sing Tao or each, I don't know, ricey, so they're yeah. light no, and but they're, they're really, good. it's refreshing. I love beers mm -hmm. like that. I love rice beers. Going to yeah. sushi, that sort of thing, I will crush those beers. I love them. I am drinking a Greyhound, mm. just some vodka, grapefruit, a little bit of lime. I'm going to bring reality to the podcast right now. I had a very strong martini tonight. 
because I made a drink for Instagram because why make drinks that I put with albums on Instagram, but sorry, everybody. Most of the time I'm not actually drinking that drink that night. It's, it's a picture that I made like two weeks ago because I'm never in town. So tonight I made a super strong martini that I drank before this and realized that I was going to be in trouble. So I made a real light Greyhound. You but. know that it's a photograph for Instagram. Like any liquid counts. That's a good point. Um, I, I love... <laughs> Especially a martini. That could totally be water. Everyone now knows, like, you don't you don't fuck around. No, I, you're I really genuine. am genuine. Even for the photo, you're going Every like drink full is strength real. martini. Very, very real. So that's what we're drinking tonight. We're going to get into it. Sven, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back. <laughs> you're, you're looking it up, aren't you? I am totally looking it up. This week's verse, course, verse. I gave David a lovely young lady, Billie Eilish. The album's called "When We All Fall Asleep." Where do we go? This was made in March of 2019. There's not much more to it than the fact that it was made by her and her brother, Phineas. Like in their in, bedrooms. Yeah. That's impressive. It's incredibly impressive, which is something I think we're probably going to touch on like 10 times. I checked over and over and over. I bought the vinyl because my daughter loved this and she kept listening to it. And I was going to the record store and I asked her, do you want to go to the record store with me? This And it's the first time she'd ever gone with me. We saw that album nice. and she really wanted it. So this is the first official album that my seven-year-old daughter bought. I love that it's this album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Some of the songs. It's appropriate. Yeah, maybe not, but that's okay. Wait till she memorizes lyrics. Oh, so she great. already does. She already does. <laughs> I'm really glad she has no idea what they mean, but still. Um, here's the thing about this. When you start researching this album, you hear a lot of back and forth about not an industry plant, but this is her brother's music and he's just been molding her vocals into like he's the artist he's the one that writes these beats and does this stuff and then you also hear a lot of no actually billy wrote all this she wrote all these lyrics all these ideas came from like nightmares that she had had all this stuff so i am reviewing this album as i think they want it to be which is it's just those two together i'm not going to take away or add actually if anything i i am actually going to give credit to the fact that it's really discogs the, the actually liner notes of the album wikipedia anything mastering producing everything was them both of them together that's it yeah i'm guessing sven that that is the biggest thing that turned you on to this yeah. album that made you really in that got you really into it yeah i think everyone got introduced to bad guy uh the yeah. first time any of us heard billy eilish and it's a song that gets stuck in your head, you know? That wasn't really like my favorite song. I didn't love it. I didn't think, yeah. And then that heavy, crazy bass breakdown at the end. Mm -hmm. With the phaser or whatever they're putting on her vocals. I don't even know oh, what it is. There's, 
the vocal production on not just that song, but this whole yes. album, I had to look into it and see who produced it and who's this girl. It took me a while to figure out, is Billie Eilish just like a band name or is this an actual person and what, <laughs> you know. But then when I started listening to everything else that Billy and Phineas did, I just got hooked to listening to trying to find all the little shit that they put into every single song there's so much stuff just buried in there we talked a lot when we did jacob collier Mm -hmm. we talked about how he's young he's trying to jam so much shit into every single second when we had mark on our listener supported episode yeah we did a revisit about Jacob Collier. He made a good point that he thinks maybe that's just his style. Mm-hmm. Maybe he likes just trying to cram everything into everything. And that's just what he's going to do his whole career. But this is, to me, kind of the opposite of that. They give themselves so much open yeah. space to work with. It's such smart writing. Uh, it's so smart because any little tweak in the sound and it completely changes Oh, yeah. It. I, I love the way that all the drum parts are approached because it's not always the traditional like hi-hat snare not at all they use some weird samples it's just noises you're missing hi-hat i mean there's there's times where it's just the kick drum like i it's not like it's the way it's done electronically it's tons to me tons of nine inch nails influence yeah yeah that sort of old school industrial kind of thing one of the loudest things they can do is silence because i think so well put when they take a track volume down or just cut something out completely it's so jarring that i don't know it almost shocks you the way a loud noise i i miss doing episodes with you because that is such a perfect way to put it (laughs) (laughs) Phineas or whoever was doing all the sounds in this realized that that discomforting silence is just so fucking loud. Yeah. I love it. It's especially when it either precedes or follows something loud. Exactly. It's like that contrast. The ending of bad guy mm-hmm. since since we were that, just the talking breakdown that guy. you're talking um, about yeah the, the the heavy bass that kicks in and it's like half time so it's all slow meant to go straight to a woofer oh. bass yeah 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 like trying to break your speakers the story I heard behind that Phineas and Billy were sitting in Phineas's bedroom at their parents' house talking about how they made this album. And when they were talking about bad guy, I guess their bedrooms share a wall. Billy had her set up her speakers and her computer and where she makes her beats and things like that. And she kind of, so bad guy started out with that ending. And that was a beat that she had worked on. And I guess the way her speaker was against the wall that they shared, it was so loud that in in Phineas's room, he would just hear the rattling. <laughs> so everything would just shake. And just it was like the nastiest, dirty bass. I think they kind of played with the track a little bit, put it on the table, wrote the rest of Bad Guy, got to the end, and Phineas was like, that thing that you made in your bedroom, let's drop that wow. in. So he recreated the beat that she made but wanted to keep that dirty, yeah, rattly. Yeah, the- He's so good at making you think that you blew a speaker. He plays with it so well. The rest of the track's clean, and you realize it. I don't know. It was. It reminds me of like what Andy Kaufman did, you know, with like the TV <laughs> scrolling, yeah. and people would adjust their TVs, thinking the there was something wrong with it. A <laughs> good comp. Well, so the album starts out with the whole, and I at first I hated it. 
And then I ended up liking it. The very, very beginning of the album is just this teeny little skit of her taking out her Invisalign and her and her brother making a joke about, okay, now we're going to, I'm going to start singing. And at first I was like, this isn't, this is gross. This isn't funny. What are you doing? (laughs) But after I listened to this and I really, I dug into this because I went through phases. I hated this album. I liked it. I went back and forth so much on this album. What I ended up loving about that skit at the beginning is it sets such a precedence and such a feel for the fact that all it is is a brother and sister sitting in their room writing an album together. Yeah. There's something about that skit that just, you know, they're joking around together and okay, you start singing, I'm going to start producing, bam. And so in the end, I think that was such a good little skit at the beginning to throw in to give you that little feel there. It's really cool. It's a good peek into their process too, because it sounds like they're constantly recording everything with their phones and stuff oh. like that ends up on albums. Snare noises. I guess they were on vacation in Australia and one of the crosswalks for really? the visually impaired, you know, the one in Sydney or whatever made some really cool sound and Phineas was like, that's awesome. And then it ended up as like the snare drum and I can't remember what song it was. I love that. That's so 70s hip hop. I love oh, yeah, that. Like pulling that's, samples. Yeah. Just from the atmospheric from, samples. And yeah, that's awesome. I am the same way. I don't, I don't love the song bad guy. I think mostly because of the lyrics. I, mm-hmm. so here's the thing and it's give and take with this album because she, how old was she when she made the 17, something oh, like that? Teenager. Six, yeah. Six, 16 or 16 17. Or something. Yeah. You read the lyrics and you listen to the lyrics and it's either, you have a choice. You can either A, be really uncomfortable because she's 16 singing about things that you don't want to hear a 16 year old singing about. (laughs) Or B it's just silly because I remember being 15 and, you know, wanting to sound as badass as I can. And Mm -hmm. this is what makes me sound badass. And to me, that's what it, that's what it feels like. The whole, all the wearing your cologne and all that stuff. It's you're silly. Give it 10 years and, and they're all from LA, which I know in LA people grow up fast, but there was a little bit of silliness in that still when you're an older person listening to those songs, I think. Yeah, I think she writes a lot, um, kind of, I don't know if sarcasm is the right word. It's not sarcastically, but she's very, she she exaggerates Yes, maybe what she feels like people might think or project on her, and she'll just take that and blow it out of proportion. And I think that adds to the silliness because it's just absurd that she... she I yeah. put somewhere in my notes, <laughs> I'm trying to find it, but I basically put... She's she's 16 or 17 or whatever when she wrote this. They're sar- it's drenched in sarcasm. Yeah. You can hear her eyes rolling. Oh. There's such yeah. it's so snarky and everything is just so what yep. whatever snarky, blah 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 word. blah whatever. That's yeah. kind of what the album is is. And that's one of my main complaints and I actually think it works as a full album, but a big complaint of mine is I really want at least some dynamics and there's none. There are no vocal dynamics whatsoever. Like she is so unbelievably one dimensional in this entire Mm. thing. And I don't know if that's a teenager thing, if it's just, I'm too cool to raise my voice. I don't know if it's a, I think it's her style. Cause if you listen to like her, her really young stuff, when she was like a kid playing ukulele and singing, she has that real tender, sweet. It's still very soft, very much in her head voice and doesn't really like come out from, you know, core. It's like the opposite of diva singing. 
right? Yeah, where yeah, you yeah, sing yeah, with yeah. Support, yeah. Where you okay. where you got lots of air and you've got support from your diaphragm and you're pushing those notes out. It's like the opposite of that. Billy Irish yeah. does like super, super. I, I'm assuming it's one of those like sarcastic things. I'm going to do the exact opposite of what every big pop female singer is doing. Just you know. I'm going to wear baggy clothes and I'm not going to yeah. project and I'm not going to slip kind of. Yeah. I'm going to be cool by doing the not cool thing. The 15 year old Billie Eilish singing. I don't need a Xanax sort of stuff. <laughs> um, and you hear that a lot in the bad guy. I mean, I could name off almost every beat. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Elo Milo or Elo Milo or something yeah. like Track yeah. eleven. I mean, like that, <laughs> we'll just call it that. That that beat is so L.A. A little Radioheadish almost, but it is just mm. so. They really have the L.A. thing down pat. It's not a complaint. It's also not necessarily a compliment, but they definitely know their sound and they're yeah. really, really good at it. Yeah. They have really great hooks. You should see me in a crown. Actually, you know, with you should see me Ooh. in a crown. It's not the chorus that does that for me. The you should see me in the crown is boring as shit to me. But the verses are amazing. Yeah. He's doing this basic 4-4 four, four beat and she's doing this. Na, 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 na. It's almost Tim Burton-y oh, a little bit. Not, yeah. Really, really cool. Because I just remember thinking that when I heard that song. The hook in this song is not the chorus. It's totally the verse. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think gets me about the whole album is all the vocal parts, the vocal arrangements. Mm -hmm. When you hear like a bunch of harmony, I would love it if I found out that he took Billy's melody track and then like used a vocoder or like duplicated and pitch shifted it. Mm -hmm. But I have a feeling that he made his sister sing do all the like other parts. every part until it was perfect. They're really good. The consonants line up. And there's some times where you hear like five vocal layers and they're all lining up. I, I don't know. Yeah, where nuts. did I, you know, you're absolutely right. And there is a song that. When the party's over is the one that I'm thinking oh. of that's acapella. Yeah. It's like a choir piece. That I think <laughs> that might be the one that, that I'm thinking of too. When the party's over. It's funny because it's not necessarily a big, huge leap on this album. Like it fits in the album, but it is so different yeah. than the rest of the album. It is this beautiful, not innocent. It's this beautiful, vulnerable song. Mm. All the albums, she's trying so hard to be this young kid that's a that's strong and a badass and singing about stuff that's older than her and all that. And then all of a sudden, you have this mm -hmm. song here that's this really, really timid. Tender. T tender yeah. is a good, yeah. And, and it's really beautiful. It's so well written. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I still can't believe that. We're talking like kids that did this. How old's her I mean, brother? Really, when this came out, he must have been like 18 or 19, maybe something like that. So that's fucking crazy. Two kids at their parents' house. Yes. It's definitely not a perfect album. I listened to the vinyl. It definitely takes a left turn on side B, not necessarily for the worse, but it's just, it's less interesting to me on the second half. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of the track eight, which is just called eight. The ukulele voice yeah. annoys me. I'm not really into her weird little high-pitched thing at the very beginning. I mean, I like ukulele music and all this, but it was just a weird turn that didn't fit. Yeah, it's kind of like a throwback. And maybe that's why they did the high voice pitch shifty yeah. thing. I think it was like a throwback to when she was like a little girl and would just like play ukulele and sing kind of a thing. Okay. Yeah, maybe they were just paying homage or that sort of thing. 
side one ends with when the party's over, which is just, it's mm-hmm. fucking great. It's this kind of Kanye 808, almost Alanis Morissette kind of Anya thing. It's the weirdest mishmash of, of fucking genres. But then it goes into side B is eight, which I don't really like. My Strange Addiction, which I don't get. She must have some obsession with The Office or just just about some guy. I don't know. <laughs> Listen before I go. I love you. Goodbye. Ilomilo. They're really simple. The only one that really stands out to me on the second side is Bury a Friend mm-hmm. because that kicks in in the middle of all these kind of slow, super spacey songs and you hear her little blase speak singing. It's just, it's perfect in that song. Yeah. When Bury a Friend came on, that was when I really thought about how they must have been working together on her voice and that sound for so long yeah. to get it to where it is. Yeah, yeah. This is a brother and sister that have been really doing this shit together for a long time. I think they play so well off of each other. I, I know like Phineas has his solo thing and I've checked it out and it's, it's brilliant. But to create this, like they needed each other. And they needed to be able to be silly with each other and play off of each other. Just kind of like doing something with like your best friend kind of a, a thing, you know? Yeah, that if, this was, if this was made in the studio with some producer they didn't know, they wouldn't be able to be as vulnerable. Right. I think they got to experiment a lot because, you know, you're not you're, you're not yeah. paying studio time. You're just in your bedroom. You fuck around with it all night long. I think the advantage to how they did this, it's like, yeah. <laughs> That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. That's really cool. It's a good album. It was massively anticipated. I didn't realize how big she was before this even came out. Yeah. This was massively anticipated. She plays that singles release game that you hate so much. (laughs) But it gets things so hyped. Didn't she do like one full EP? I mean, at least shit. At least she's coming out with an album. Whatever. It's at least it's something. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that I just can't, I don't feel right complaining about because she's so young. A lot of the lyrics are making up problem lyrics, but right. I'm thinking about myself when I was that young. I was a goddamn idiot. She's doing way better than me. And you think about her audience. Think about who's buying all of her albums. Like it's right on their page. Absolutely. She's got a million clones it, out there now. Yeah. <laughs> it also surprised me because I heard a lot of straight edge lyrics in this album. I heard a lot of, it sounds like she's talking about people around her drinking and doing drugs and stuff like that and she's like what the fuck is everybody doing and it's interesting because you don't expect lyrics like that from music like this and there's a part of me that that's awesome that's great and then there's another part of me that's yeah just wait a couple years you're gonna want to drink i promise (laughs) (laughs) i think one thing she really enjoys is kind of shattering expectations or like leading you to believe one narrative while completely being or meaning or revealing eventually a completely different one. Gotcha. Seems like she's she really loves to do that, to just be different, I guess. And I like that. It's refreshing. I like mm-hmm. somebody her age, a female her age, going the route of darkness. And I'm not saying that it's better. It's just there are plenty of Rodrigo's and Taylor Swift's and things like that that are singing these big poppy. Yeah. We don't need another breakup song and we don't need another love song. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need another. And even, yeah. And even because there's, there's, there's like love songs on this, but they're dark. I was pleasantly surprised by this album. Hey. I definitely expected something different than I got. 
like you said, I mean, you can't get away from it. I had heard one or two of the songs on this album, but I'd never really paid attention to it. And anything that you could bitch about for this album is something that it's just not even worth your time. Because the bottom line is, is who wrote the songs, who didn't write the songs, are they good? Yeah. And they are. There's a lot of good songs on this album. That's kind of the the basics of the review I got. Do you have anything to say, anything more to say on this album before we go into the awards and categories? No, no. I think, um, yeah, we hit everything that there is to hit on this. I... So you gave me a pop banger that I actually like. Woo! Yeah. I love that. That, <laughs> that just made my night. <laughs> All right, awards and categories. There actually weren't any David Crosby meh award bad reviews on this. There were all either about the vinyl or nothing crazy influences and influences you know all the same influences and influences that you that i would say for a throatier young female like a lana del rey or fiona apple or or that kind of thing oh yeah fiona i'm not trying to disparage Billie eilish but Billie eilish is no fucking fiona apple right i talked about dynamics Fiona, you could you can hear anger and you can hear sadness and you can hear happiness and everything. Billy is very one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Some of those lines I can hear. What about you? Do you have any? Um, you know, I, I like that you mentioned Nine Inch Nails earlier. Mm. I think that there's a lot of things in the production side that remind me of. Um, like some industrial stuff like that. There's a lot of really good instrumentation and crazy noises and instruments that are made. Whatever Phineas does to create some of the sounds, I'm pretty blown away. A lot of it's original. You don't just hear the same snare sound, the same kick drum. I also just, I love the way that, (coughs) I I totally agree about her delivery being very one-dimensional. Yeah. She doesn't really push a lot. I don't think I ever heard her push. Seriously, not yeah, once. But I love how I think Phineas takes that style, and when he's producing, he adds dynamics by the layers. Yep. All of a sudden, you'll have like 15 Billies singing. Yeah. Sometimes in unison, just stacked up or in harmonies. I feel it's like comes straight from like the EDM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like know, old, old EDM, like, like yeah, like Ferry Corsten or something. Yeah. yeah. I'm hearing a lot of that kind of influence. Yeah, good pull. Um, some uh-huh. of the, like the auto filters like and panning that gets, yeah. Fine wine or skunk beer? Hmm. I think this is a fine wine. I think this is surprisingly unique. I could see going back to it in 10 years when I'm in a specific mood, I could totally see this being a fine wine. And I could also see, you know, somebody like my daughter, for example, this is the first album. This is an album where... I saw my daughter hear multiple songs and on different times and say, I like this song. So I let her get the album, listen to it all the way through. She loves it. Nice. That's going to be with her for the rest of her life. So it's totally a fine wine to me. What about you? It's, that's a hard one for me. I think ultimately I land on fine wine kind of reluctantly. I think it's fine wine for some people. I could see myself coming back to it, like like you were saying, like in the future in a certain mood. Certainly as either reference or like case study or inspiration on production, I won't ever write it off as just like something that was like, yeah, it was good for that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Uh, never mind the Bullocks Award. I have no idea. I haven't heard any of the rest of her stuff. I'll tell you, we're going to find out though, because we are doing her next album in our next group right. of new album quickfire reviews. 
I have a bad feeling that this is going to be her, <laughs> never mind the Bullocks Award. Like this is the Billie Eilish album and all the rest of them are going to turn into trying to do something different or trying to do the same thing or trying. Yeah. And it's just not going to work, but I could totally be wrong. Have you yeah. heard her new album? I, I like this okay. one better. Okay, you're just gonna. I'm just gonna come right gonna out and say it. it. I, it's gonna spoiler for the the future episode, but you know what? But yeah, this one I think is her best of two albums gotcha. so far. John Paul Jones Award, and this goes along with what I had already said. I want to hear one song on this, just one. I think they should have just given the ropes to one song, just produced, not written, not anything like that, just produced by Trent Reznor. Ooh. Have them just pick a song, send it to Reznor and be like, hey, will you dink with this? What about you? Do you have any anybody yeah. you want to... You're going to hate me for saying this. <laughs> what? what? What is it? Well, I really wish that they would have got Charlie Puth <laughs> to collaborate on one How track. How the fuck would that have worked? <laughs> because then it would have given it some... Dyna- like some That, that would have been a change in direction. But I think like Charlie's versatile enough. Stuff that he does on other people's albums... He gets pretty into their groove, but I think just his knowledge of chord voicings and the things he could have added to harmonizing and then also just like voicing out the chords maybe a little differently on some of the stuff. Gotcha. It's insane. And just the way that he produces (laughs) is very much the way Phineas produces. So I feel like their workflow would have gone really well together, even though their styles are so different. I like it. Well, I mean, I don't like it, but I like it. I hate your answer, but I like the uniqueness of your answer. The John Popper Award for Best Hook. Mm. I already talked about it. I love the verse of You Should See Me in a Crown. It's it's a silly song. I don't really like the chorus, but that verse with the beat just doom, 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 and her doing the ba-na-na-na-na-na, it's so fucking good. The best hook for me, I think it's probably predictable but it's the hook with no lyrics something about that little pattern that little minor it, it makes the whole fucking song and they didn't they didn't need to write words yeah. that's the whole hook i guess she says bad guy duh wait duh yeah <laughs> duh. uh eddie van halen award nope <laughs> there ain't shit on this <laughs> this is as Not minimalist as it gets insight there's like some basic g acoustic chords and that, that is about it <laughs> there's no. nothing on this album surfer rosa award i don't at all think it is i think the first half of this album is way better this than the second one mm-hmm. i agree i'm not gonna fight you on that that was easy. Uh, time of your life award. I'm actually, I'm really interested. I am excited to hear your least and favorite songs on this album. So what is your least favorite song on this album, Sven? It's probably the all, all the good girls go to hell. Okay. I, I, it just seems like a really blah song. You say that, and that wasn't on my radar for favorite or least favorite, but you say that, and I, for the life of me, can't even remember it. So I think you're probably well, there right. There you go. It's one of those like it sounds like she's trying. Wait, it's you know, everything that you said about her having that badass kind of image. You know, like I, this one just for me felt like it was the one that she tried way too hard on. And I also think that that is the first song on the album that I kind of started to zone out on. Honestly, I was seconds away from picking "Bad Guy." I actually don't really like that Ooh. song. I just can't buy it. It's kind of a silly young kid thing to me. 
but I ended up picking eight. That ukulele, super ah. high pitched voice. That fucking voice annoys me, man. I just don't. I don't like that. That song, unfortunately, ended up being representative of the whole second half of the album, which I really just is not very memorable to me. Right. But let's go over three best songs on the album. I'm going to start and build anticipation because I am actually much more excited for what Sven's top three are than me. My top three, my third favorite is Barry Friend. I don't know if it's actually the third best song on this album, but it's this giant reprieve in four or five songs on the second side that is actually really interesting. Number two is You Should See Me in a Crown for the hook reasons that I talked about. I just, I think it's a really well-written song. And number one to me is When the Party's Over. That song's beautiful. I may not end up ever listening to this album again, but I guarantee you that I will listen to that song again. Nice. If I come across that song in a year or remember it for some reason, like, oh God, I forgot about that and I will turn it on. What about you, Sven? What are your three favorites? Um, number three for me is track six, uh, Wish You Were Gay. Probably just because like there's times in my life where I'm like, why the hell don't you like me? What do you need from me? I'm like, it'd be a lot easier if I just thought you were a lesbian and then there's not really something unattractive about me. <laughs> <laughs> it tracks too because that song is maybe the only one that has kind of a positive vibe. Yeah. Happy vibe. Yeah. And that's a Sven thing. It's a, Yeah. yeah okay this one is hard i was my number one and number two i kept flipping back and forth um i think what i'm gonna go with is number two is you should see me in a crown samesies i actually enjoyed the the actual chorus part like i know you call the other the verse the hook but i could see you liking it because of the 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 drop massive bass production yeah yes um and then my favorite is when the party's over look at us i could totally also just come back and listen to that years from now just need some something that's just calm and clear and has like slightly eerie yeah you and i were one song away from having to take a shot i know so close (laughs) (laughs) uh Sven, who won this album? I feel like I won the album because I got you to like a pop banger. <laughs> you did. It's true. <laughs> also because now I have another producer to stock and I totally watch all of Phineas's breakdowns and everything now. I said siblings won this album. Yay! I just love that this is a bro and sis that are obviously close and have been doing music together and came out with this fantastic album and i cannot stress enough buy this album you look at the liner notes you go to discogs this was not sent out to master this was not produced by a record label this was in his fucking room the record label on wikipedia is literally phineas o'connell right yeah (laughs) dark room phineas o'connell room for anybody that maybe doesn't know that much about production That is not a small thing. To be able to take a vocal, turn it into 15 vocals, know how loud that main vocal should be, how quiet this vocal should be compared to this vocal, compared to the 15 behind there. That is not something that is easily gone by. And they did it in a fucking room together. And it's very rare too that you have the person that recorded it being the same person that mixed it 
and then that being the same person that mastered, mastered it. it. Usually you get completely different people for those because you want a different set of ears. It takes brass balls. Yeah, yeah it's hard to do. Good job, Billy Eilish and Phineas. Good job, bro and sis. Good job, Sven. You hey. gave me a good pop banger, man. Yeah. Last thing we need to do, rate the album. I am giving this album 8 out of 10 teenagers that are just so much smarter than everyone else. These songs are good. Their style is refreshing, especially for nowadays. And why don't you rate this album? I'm giving this one like a 740 out of like 900. So it's, it's up That's there. That's good. That's fantastic. That is it. That's Billie Eilish. We will be right back with album number two of the night. this week the album that i gave spend one of my favorites of the last five or ten years definitely joy as an act of resistance by idols their 2018 release is is my first introduction to this band mm-hmm. all caps i-d-l-e-s idols yeah at first listen track one it really took me back to my bedroom in my parents house when i was probably 14 or 15 I was going through like the Sex Pistols phase mm, where mm-hmm. that's what I played on my guitar. I would sit in Boise, Idaho, upstairs in my room screaming, I want to be anarchy or, you know, yeah. God save the queen, whatever. I don't know. I really, really was into punk for a good nine months stretch. I'm just, you know, still love it, but that was all I listened to. This is music meant to rally people. There's lots of things that I feel like as a young punk, you rail against. Yes. And some of those things are in your own head. You make them up. It took me probably half the album to really get a good feel for what exactly this album was speaking to or about or where it was coming from. I think you also have to remember, A, and this sounds silly, but it's true, and it's kind of an issue I've always had, is they're British. Yes. This is a punk band that's talking about political shit, and they're British, which we don't, we're Americans. We don't pay enough attention to other countries. We don't know enough about what's going on in Britain. And I've always felt, it's funny because there have been songs by bands like like Muse or whatever, where they're talking about the shit show that America is. And even though it's true, there's this little part of me that's like, hey, why don't you concentrate on yourself? You guys are a shit show too. Yeah. Fucking back off and do your own thing. You already mentioned the year. This was when all the Brexit shit was full force. Oh, shit. There's so, there's some, you could tell they're not a fan of uh, Brexit. Yeah. Overall, in line with a lot of former punk messaging, very progressive, anti fascist, anti racist, yeah. anti sexist, anti pro immigration, pro, pro gay. All the yeah. things that the establishment has kind of. Yeah, indoctrinated into society. Sven, I have a very important question for you. Yeah. And I ask this because of 
the catastrophe that happened at the very beginning of our Kendrick Lamar review, when we came to find that you didn't listen through the entire first song. Did you listen to the entire first song of Colossus? Did you hear the breakdown at the end? At the end? It took me a while to realize it was still the same song. Like, I thought they started a new song. But then (laughs) when I was like, okay, well, what what song is this? Song two is supposed to be Never Fight a Man with a Perm. And this is not that song because I went and pulled yeah. the lyrics and I'm like oh this is still track one I was worried you're going to skip the last part of Colossus and you were going to miss like what I think is one of the best parts of the entire album I had thought about that like all week I was like he's going to skip that he's going to go right past it <laughs> I'm like evil Knievel thing like that yeah yep that whole thing I, I want to dial back to very beginning before we started talking either album when you called this punk which was my instinct as well like this is some post-punk or uh hardcore punk i call it brit punk i just it's such it's so british yeah it's such british punk i have to this is a psa for frontman joe talbot who i understand really is annoyed that this gets labeled punk and has made some statements about how they are not a punk band or a post-punk band or a hardcore punk band. And though they have similarities (laughs) in rhythm and sound to what punk bands do... And lyrics. They are not a punk band. And and It's kind of like me playing a one-drop beat (laughs) and being like, this isn't a reggae song. Even though all reggae songs do this... This is not a reggae song. That's my only gripe yeah. with the whole fucking album, really. Like, there are a couple songs on here that are not punk. They're not, and not everything but sounds the same. To me, that's borderline insulting because I love punk. I love punk. For me, there is a bit of that. Like, if I were having a beer with Talbot, which would be the coolest night of my life because he seems like the coolest guy in the world. I would want to be like, what are you ashamed of with punk? This is one of those, like, I actually, I, I kind of, along with my tongue-in-cheek comment to their front man here, like, if if he ever listens to this, <laughs> I, in a way, applaud it, because that's the most punk thing that you could do, is say I'm not punk. Mm-hmm. Like, that is punk. That is so fucking punk, to be like, no, fuck you, I'm not, <laughs> I'm punk. not punk. Fuck yeah. you for calling this punk. <laughs> Don't fucking label me. Anyway, I love that... I, Whatever you want to call the style of music, I, one of the things I love about this is mm-hmm. the repetition, the, the actual instrument parts, and the lyrics. It's so critical. It's a key part of this style, and I think it really helps hammer a message home with the least amount of words possible. You can speak to a topic, a fairly serious topic, and do it in like a bullet point version that I feel gets the message across clearly and very efficiently compared to metaphors and poetry. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some things I had to look up. Like, I didn't know who the hell Danny Nadelko was. It's a great song. I learned how to spell his name really, really well. <laughs> Come to find out, Danny Nadelko, okay, is he's a Ukrainian immigrant. So we were talking about like a lot, like they definitely had things to say about the political situation, yeah. like things like Brexit, yeah. right? And so... He was in another English band called Heavy Lungs out of Bristol, and he's actually a Ukrainian immigrant to the UK. So Brexit affected him very personally, and mm-hmm. I guess Joe Talbot wanted to speak up about how he it's he he says he wasn't trying to be political in in like this little interview I, I have pulled up. He says that it's not a it's not really a 
political message. It's a humane message. I, I think Which, it's one and the same. Like it is, and that's you know that's something it, that I would when you're in that moment and you actually have people that you care about that are an immigrant or black or things like that. Mm-hmm. To, it's not a political thing. This is somebody you love. But I get what you're saying too, is that's what needs to make it political, which is hard for people like me who don't want to have anything to do with politics. Yeah. I love his lyrics. We're talking about Danny Nadelko. Fear leads to panic. Panic leads to pain. Pain leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. <laughs> so simple it's so to the point it speaks to me and I, I love it. it it speaks to a lot of things that happen in this country too people view immigrants as i don't want to say subhuman but definitely so alien and so unlike themselves that it's hard to see them as uh-huh. and then that allows you to say and do really nasty things when you when you can turn a group of people into the other people. Yes. And there's several times in this album where he speaks to that. The way that he talks about masculinity and some of the toxicity that exists with... Samaritans. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. The Samaritans, you know. Man, he's just like yelling, right? Like the, the whole man up, sit down, chin up, pipe down, up. It sounds like something that like an old school yes. father would just be like yelling at his kids, specifically his son or sons. The mask of masculinity is it's a so mask. so good. And the mask that's wearing me, the mask, the mask, it's the mask. It's so good. It's so, so dead on. That's all the shit that we you learn from as a little boy growing up into manhood. Like you learn how to put on that outer shell, yeah. that crust and man up, you know how unhealthy that can sometimes be. I I feel like the whole part where he repeats, like, this is why you never see your father cry. This is why you never yeah. see your father. This is why you never see your father. You just said everything that should probably be said about it. But And I'm the guy that doesn't listen to or remember <laughs> lyrics. So it means so a lot. I want to <laughs> shout out to you. I, may have, I got you to love a pop banger or at least like one and buy one. And you got me to fucking like... Do a whole album of lyrics. over <laughs> lyrics here. Like That's awesome. I'm sure that he won't ever listen to this and anything like that, but I am so impressed with these songs. Love Song? I I cracked the hell up in Love Song. I laughed my ass off. (laughs) It's a good song. (laughs) I I feel like I can kind of sort of (laughs) relate, you know, like... I fucking love you. I really love you. Look at the card I bought you. It says I love you. It says I love you. I really love you. Look at the card I bought. It says I love you. I have a question, Sven. Do you know what the reference is when he says I carried a watermelon? What I took it as is like he's speaking as the part of like his girl or his, his lady that's like pregnant maybe. Like, I carried uh, a watermelon? I'm so glad that you don't know this. Okay. All I'm going to say, all I'm going to say is that's a Dirty Dancing reference. That's why I won't get it. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Number of times I've watched <laughs> Dirty Dancing, <laughs> zero. And that's why I love you. Okay. <laughs> I love him. Just his weird, screamy, 
the style augmented chord this modern love thing in the chord it's so cool i love it the part that like took a, a weird turn for me was immediately after this because this is like the i june. fucking love you song and then like june yeah not a punk song no it is it is a very depressing folksy, song if nine inch nails did a folk song yeah or like if johnny cash but this is a fucked up. So this is like, is this a true story? Did he, did yes. he have a stillborn? Yeah. Yes. Ah. This song is about him and his woman having a stillborn baby. Him dealing with that. And I'm not even going to tell people to listen to this song because I'm not kidding. And I guess it kind of fits in with the whole Samaritans thing, but I don't cry. Like, I just don't. I think it's just, you know, I'm old school American man. God damn it. <laughs> this song gets me right on the verge every single time yeah it's no joke yeah <laughs> like he he became a father <laughs> the last verse is him just saying over and over what is it it's a uh, baby shoes for sale never worn baby shoes for sale it's like a yeah. craigslist thing of him just he's singing that over and over and over it's That to me was like the darkest thing. I knew what the song was going to be about just with that line. Baby shoes for sale. Yeah. Never worn. And I was like, oh, fuck. It's a painful song. It's so different because most of the rest of this is very punk in the sense that it's it's peppy and you want to jump up and down to it. And even though a lot of the lyrics are about very, very serious things, it's old British, we're in a pub screaming, you know, G-R-E-A-T. Yeah, yeah, which was a great song. <laughs> great is great. Yeah, and that's one of the very, very obvious, like, Brexits. Like, this is all about old blighties wanting to keep it keep it old school. And There's a line in there about, like, what some blighty wants his country back. It's not the chorus, but he keeps... Coming back to Islam didn't eat your hamster. Change isn't a crime. So yeah, fuck you. It's punk. I, it's punk music. I would agree. Joe Talbot. Yeah, I, I totally agree. <laughs> televisions. The chorus to televisions, people, <laughs> is I, I go outside because I, I, I feel free because I smash mirrors and fuck TV. Tell me that's not punk. That's not the punkest thing you've ever heard. Like, come on. Yeah. Or I'm I'm scum. Yeah, I am scum. This snowflake's an avalanche. Yeah, that is a genius line. <laughs> that's a genius line. I think I say this anytime that we have an album where something builds to chaos. Like I love chaos, especially at the ending or carefully positioned in the middle of a song. This is a great album. First take, I wasn't sure I was going to like it. but I figured. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you liked it because I honestly, until this, and, and that was one of the reasons I gave this to you, I don't know where you stand on punk. 
I don't even know. Like I, kn- I knew you had to kind of like it a little bit because you're into old like Melvin's and Nirvana and stuff like that. But I, yeah. I never really knew your stance on punk. We'd never really talked about it. I know. Yeah. I listened to a few punk I mean, like, bands I was back huge, in the day, but Sex Pistols was that was that's the one like cla- like I'm gonna call it classic punk, like the OG punk band that I go to. If you love Brit punk, which you should. That you should know and love this album. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm sorry if if they don't like that. Um, let's go to awards and categories. Uh, David Crosby Met Award. There was one. This is one out of five stars by Grinning Muppet. The title of this is Earplugs a Must. Hmm. One listen and gave it away. Okay. And that is their rev- that's their review. That it's very funny to me that somebody would buy this album. This is 2019, people. There's Spotify, there's YouTube. There's a lot of places to listen to an album before you buy it. And then decide you don't like it and then... I don't know. That I don't know why. That's just very, very funny to me. You know what I think is awesome about that is that like Idols still got his money. Because mm-hmm. he can yeah. Yeah, sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Influences is influences. I, I have the Sex Pistols on here. When I think of this sound, I think everybody, and it's unfair because there's so many other good bands, but you do, you automatically start go back and think of, you know, I am an antichrist yeah. and yeah, all that, all that sort of stuff. Right. That's immediately where, where I went with it. There's some moments of like black flag. Maybe. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 The head, the kind of the heavier the, parts the, of it. You know, yeah. Fine yeah. wine or skunk beer. What do you think, Sven? Ooh, this one, that's that's so hard. I thought about it earlier and never made my mind up. And now I feel <laughs> definitely under the pressure. I don't know that it has like Sex Pistols fine wine. Okay. This is why it's hard for me because that's what I keep comparing gotcha. it to. Yeah, I get it. Do I think like I could come back and listen to this like 10 years from now and still feel the same way and still maybe, but a lot of the topics might not be as fresh anymore. It's so topical, I feel like, that if the world actually changes, this could be not the fine wine anymore. But if we continue to have the same problems... Uh, Sven, (laughs) I hate to tell you... It's always going to be fucked. I mean, that's a good point. <laughs> this this sort of music is never going to go out of style because things got better. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a fine wine. I think this is the sound that I want out of specific British bands that I haven't heard in like 15 years. Uh, never mind the Bullocks Award, speaking of. I don't know. I listened to their album after this a lot. It is not as good, but it is very good. So this is not a Nevermind the Bullocks Award. They have another very, very good album. I heard their first one came out to like critical acclaim. And that one I have not heard. John Popper Award. Do you have a best hook for this, Sven? <laughs> There's so many, I feel. There really is. <laughs> like yeah. in this. I really love the chorus to television smash mirrors and fuck you i think i don't know if it counts as a hook but like the concrete to leather oh fuck yeah are you kidding me absolutely um that's i think that's the hook of that song that's an amazing hook yeah I just yeah, I love the way the the whole band comes in. It's like, dang, yeah, anyway. love that. Um, Eddie Van Halen Award. I have one, very random. 
And hopefully by now people know that my Eddie Van Halen award isn't whatever instrumentalist is shredding or whatever this or that. I just love when an instrumentalist either just does something cool. I just like that. Mm-hmm. And mine is in Colossus when the whole vibe's about to change and it gets really quiet. And all of a sudden you hear the drummer start to scream one, two, three, four, <laughs> and they just bam right into it. it i love that uh surfer rosa award i think all the way through i like that yeah yeah i think this is totally a surfer rosa award i think track one through four are amazing radio songs and then the rest of it is this weird amazing sometimes dark sometimes not this is a hard one for me so i'm gonna let you go first because i really want to keep actually you know what this isn't a hard one for me time of your life no. award worst song on the album mm. it's cry to me but because yeah. it's a cover and that's it yeah <laughs> easy what about you what's your least favorite song on the album my least favorite song is not the worst song it might even be the best or it's it's up there i think i know where you're but going with this i do not like to listen to june yeah it's an incredibly mm. hard listen i'm going to talk about this now because we're going to do our three best songs on the album. And one that I didn't put on there that I had a really hard time with was June. Mm-hmm. Because this might be one of the most emotionally provocative songs I've ever heard. It fucked me up. Mm-hmm. So in all intents and purposes, it should be one of the best songs I've ever heard. Because it it rocked me like I don't know if any other song has but you're absolutely right i can't listen to this (laughs) i can't it's hard three best songs the album what are your three favorite songs on this album coming in at number three for me is g-r-e-a-t it is a great song number two kind of along the same theme danny nadelko our immigrant song here and then, yeah. um, so this is weird. I, I'm, I'm voting June as the best song, even though I hate to want to listen to <laughs> so it. So that's your, that's your time, of your life award and your favorite song on the album. Yeah. I like that. That's awesome. <laughs> because it's so good. It does what it's supposed to do so well. I don't want to listen to it. That was a smart thing to do there. I really like that. My three favorite songs. Number three is television. Mm. Cause I go outside I, and I, I feel free. TV. Number two to me is Colossus. I love the lyrics to Colossus so much. I am my father's son. His shadow weighs a ton. And then they break into the whole punk thing. And I don't know if we have any wrestler fans out there. (laughs) My favorite song on this, which really, really spoke to me uh, because of exactly what you pointed out with Samaritan. This is why you never see your father cry. That song is such an anthem to so many males that either A, were raised in a generation where you need to be a man's man and that's it, or B, 
which was a lot more of the case for our generation, just deadbeat dads that weren't there. Mm-hmm. And that song's just going to stick with me forever. Yeah. It's kind of, it's like a new generation's father of mine by Everclear. Yeah. I, I just think that song is phenomenal. It's such a good song. Sven, who won the album? The UK? They did. I'm just going to leave it at that. They proved they're better than us. Thank you for giving us uh, another band like this. That was one export that I... Okay, never mind. We're not... (laughs) (laughs) I... And I'm sorry, but this this is my who won the album. People in need of good punk music. That's who won this album. I'm sorry, guys. This is punk. And it's good punk. And it was needed. So be proud of it. I am giving this album... I'm giving this album nine out of 10. And the only reason that I'm giving this nine out of 10 is because of that one cover. As far as a genre album to me, it's a complete 10 out of 10. Dinged for the cover. Yeah. If we were just going punk albums, this is, and this is a big deal. I love punk and this, this might be in my top five favorite punk albums of all time, but I'm giving it a nine out of like a 9.7 out of 10. Ah. Sven, what do you you give this album? It's like, is covering a song kind of kind of like one of the least punk things you could do? That's kind of the point. Exactly. I'm thinking back to when we played bars and there'd be punk bands come on and how many of them bitched about like us when playing we would covers. Play a cover, right? Yeah. No, it really is. It's, it's pretty starting to feel like that's part of the thing. You can't play a cover if you're maybe that's why they, they That's why they're I, not fuck punk. Fuck you, I'm not a punk band. I'm not band. a punk band, yeah. we play covers. <laughs> do whatever I want, which is so punk. <laughs> <laughs> What was the question? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm supposed to rate the album. That's right. You know what? I, scale of nine, I'm giving this a seven. Okay. I just can't do your 10 thing. That's a, it's a pretty high score. It's it's a high score. Not quite where you put it, but I enjoyed we it. We did good this week, Sven. I think so. We gave each other some albums that we both really enjoy. I, I feel like um, they were both albums like that. that perhaps surprised each recipient. Exactly. I think this was one of those things where at first I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Here's another one. And I think you probably did the same thing. Uh, But we did a good job. I think we both really enjoyed these albums. Come back next week. Next week, episode 35, Rachel Evil and I break down Sticky Fingers by Rolling Stones. We felt bad. DL has just given so much shit to the Rolling Stones. Stones so So many fans were just losing their patience with me. So I decided, hey, let's talk about the one album of theirs that I actually think is great. (laughs) Uh, Sticky Fingers. So that's what's happening next week. Sven, I love you. It's so good to see you. Always. I'm glad that we're kind of getting more to a a routine again. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait for our next episode that we're recording. It's going to be really awesome, actually. (laughs) It's going to be a monster. (laughs) It is. I'm coming back for classics, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this will be good. (laughs) Yes. All right, everybody. Versecourseverse.com at versecourseversepod. Thank you so much for all the support we've been getting. Kenny G released a Christmas album this year. Happy birthday, Jesus. Hope you like crap. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care. (laughs) 